a urologist, one of my uh, issues that I deal with uh, very frequently is, is sexual function, male sexual function, erectile dysfunction. Yeah. And, you know, young, healthy guys may not be all that worried about what's going to give them a heart attack one day. But if there's something that are, it's going to affect uh, their penis now, uh, yes, uh, they're interested. Hi, everyone. Nicolette Richet here, podcast host of the Eat Real to Heal show. This is my show where I bring together brilliant minds, humans on the planet who've been diagnosed with a chronic degenerative disease and decided to take their health and their life back by switching to the therapy that I teach, plant-based whole food, nutrient-dense, unrefined, unprocessed food, diet, and lifestyle. I specifically teach the Gerson therapy, which really is everything that I just said. It's all about returning to food as medicine, plant-based, whole foods, unrefined, unprocessed, and always organic. It's about eating the cleanest food possible as well. So that's what I teach my clients, and we've helped thousands of people reverse the chronic degenerative diseases, everything from autoimmune disorders and diabetes and heart disease and infertility and menstrual problems. And I mean, you name it, we have helped um, people who've had brain growths and liver masses and cancers. And the list is long of the hundreds of different chronic degenerative lifestyle diseases that we've been able to successfully support people in reversing and healing. And when we say reversing and healing, we're talking about that they were scheduled for surgery and their doctors had to cancel their surgery because they no longer needed it. Or they were going to be put on meds or didn't want to be on their meds any longer and they are medication free. That's what we talk about when we talk about reversing chronic degenerative disease. It is regenerative medicine that we teach and because we get the body to stimulate its own self-healing mechanisms and we do this using nutrients and by ridding the body of toxins and pollutants and things that really hinder the natural healing ability of the body. So if you're someone out there and you want to get in touch with us, please reach out to us at nicoletterichet.com or richerhealth.ca or The Green Mustache, which is our collection of plant-based whole foods, 100% organic always, nutrient-dense and highly delicious restaurants. We currently have five locations and we have 10 more opening up in New York City. So visit us at thegreenmustache.com, greenmustache.com. All the links are in the show notes below. So you'll be able to find us and then let us know if you're battling a chronic illness and you're sick and tired of being sick and tired. You want more energy. You want to get rid of the pain. We can support you in making the dietary lifestyle changes that you need to make to be able to achieve those results. Your body has the power. You just need to get out of its way. Now, on today's show, we have Dr. Aaron Spitz from Orange County, California. And in this podcast, I just need to prepare you. If you have children in the car, we are going to say the word penis probably about 5,000 times. Penis is the thing that we are talking about in this show. And that's because Dr. Aaron Spitz is a board certified American board certified board of urology certified doctor and when we talk about urology we're talking about 
the penis and the reproductive system and we are talking about the testicles so be prepared if you have kids in the car that we're going to dive deep into that but and no pun intended there i apologize but just know that we are diving into penis health and how to use a plant-based diet to benefit from and to support the penis and to benefit from not only penile health but also overall heart health and cardiovascular health and vascular health in totality so this applies to if you have diabetes heart disease macular degeneration if you have poor brain health and if you have any penile health issues you want to listen to this podcast dr spitz is also specifically trained so he has several subspecialties in the male reproductive medicine and male reproductive health so this includes being able to do micro surgical procedures to reverse vasectomies also he performs vasectomies as well and vasectomies um, for his clients but he also has extensive experience experience salvaging previously failed vasectomy reversals as well so he's the guy to go and see if you've ever experienced any of these problems but he also works with families and helps men deal with sperm retrieval and he deals with lots of different fertility issues related to men as well so again if you fall into that category please seek out Dr. Spitz and his clinic at the Orange County Urology which is in California really important to not have any shame around this subject Um, he also deals with penile erectile dysfunction which affects over 40% of the population if not more because I would probably uh, uh, predict that there's many men out there who never even go see their doctor about this and instead they just literally hide under the covers not wanting to tell anybody about the fact that they have penile erectile dysfunction and as you'll learn this is affecting younger and younger and younger males in our population whereas before it used to be 40 um, men 40 years old and older and now it's affecting men in their teens and 20s and 30s as well so dr spitz is nationally recognized um, because of his expertise in male health and he performs no needle no scalpel vasectomy so I can see some grins out there amongst all of you men when my husband had his vasectomy you know it was pretty hard for him to make the appointment let alone go through the six minute procedure and the guy even got a lollipop from it yesterday another guy was telling me how he got a boxed apple juice after uh, he had his vasectomy which I just think is so cute and after birthing three babies out of my vagina I can tell you that I understand pain and I understand it's not easy to have to snip snip uh, your snip yourself and get these vasectomies but it's nice to know that Dr. Spitz performs the no needle no scalpel 
vasectomy. Now, he does a ton of other work. We are gonna dive into talking about testosterone. Like I said, erectile dysfunction is a huge part of our discussion. And then we also talk about the Game Changers because Dr. Spitz was featured in the Game Changers with his experiment, which has now led to him doing a clinical trial. And it's all about how a plant-based diet can get blood flow to your penis and give you stronger, longer, more beautiful, more frequent erections. So dive into this podcast with us and learn all about penile health. We want to share with you something else that we are promoting this month to celebrate giving the gift of health. And that is a topic that is very dear to me. And a lot of people have asked us over the years, why don't you promote Movember? Movember is a campaign that started years ago to talk about prostate health, to talk about men's organ, sexual organ health, and to talk about cancer. And really though, the reason why I couldn't 100% get behind it is because ultimately it's promoting getting to the doctors so that you can find out if you have prostate disease or cancer. But there wasn't really a lot of rigorous support for people to look at lifestyle changes that they can easily implement to bring their PSA numbers down to help them support the treatment or even reversal of prostate cancer. So getting diagnosed is one thing, and a lot of the diagnostic tools are not accurate. So what that ends up happening is that men and women for breast health through getting uh, their mammograms done, they often get false diagnosis and then they develop stress as a result of the false diagnosis, undergo treatment as a result of the false diagnosis when in fact they didn't have the health issues. We know for mastectomies, or not mastectomies, for um, mammograms, uh, that mammogram saves one in 1,000 lives. Okay, so that's what the research shows. So it also harms a lot of people. So yes, you might be one of those people that's got a mastectomy and it it detected early breast cancer and you were able to get it treated. But what we see is that when people get treated, their doctors will say things like, hey, we got it all, go back to your old lifestyle. And so you go back to your old, old lifestyle after undergoing chemo, surgery, radiation, and maybe a mastectomy or a double mastectomy and we don't always know if you absolutely needed it because we know that making lifestyle changes can have just as good as an effect sometimes even more sometimes not at all i admit that but at the same time we need to have mammograms being coupled with plant-based education programs so people can make the lifestyle changes to keep them cancer-free after their false diagnosis, after their accurate diagnosis, after their treatment, so that we can keep cancer at bay for life, hopefully. So that's why I've never done Movember or celebrated Movember, but we've had a change of heart this season where we do want to celebrate Movember and we're going to do it our own way. I don't even know if I'm legally allowed to call it Movember because it's probably trademarked, but this is a shout out to you guys out there, the creators of Movember. What we want to do is we want to offer you, any podcast listener of this episode, we want to offer you the coupon code PENIS, P-E-N-I-S. And we're going to give you that coupon code, which will give you 50% off our online course. 
that same Eat Real to Heal program that you can get um, access to by coming into our Green Mustache Cafes and buying the Gift of Health package for $39. We're going to offer the penis code PENIS to everybody out there who's listening to this podcast. If you listen to this podcast, if you go beyond this podcast and dive into Dr. Aaron Spitz's book, The Penis Book, um, hopefully it inspires you to make the lifestyle changes so you can reclaim your male organ health. And this applies to women out there as well. If you're listening to this on behalf of your partners, then you also get the coupon code PENIS. And the reason we're doing this is because we want you to learn all about making the lifestyle changes so you can ultimately not just reclaim your penile health but so that you can reclaim your total health in fact so the way that you're going to get this code is that listen to the podcast i've already given you the code listening to it from beginning to end and then you need to go to our teachable platform where our eat real to heal course is hosted and just enter in that code and you'll get 50 percent off okay so that's how we're celebrating Movember. So I've said enough about that. I only have one more announcement to make, and that is the fact that we were featured on the Tony Robbins podcast. We did the interview last month in October while I was in Portugal vacationing with my family. And our show on the Tony Robbins podcast is airing on November 4th. Now, our company was chosen to be part of the Force for Good series, the 10 Gifts of Health podcast, the 10 Gifts of Life, sorry, podcast series by Tony Robbins. So we were recognized as a force for good. So on December 4th, please head over to our website, head over to Tony Robbins' website and podcast, and you'll be able to listen to our show because we talk about how important it is that we return to a pre-settler, pre-colonial way of living and eating. So this does not mean that you're going to go out there um, hunting and gathering. You don't need to do that because fortunately people will bring food to you, even to your doorstep if you're on a delivery platform like Spud, one of the platforms that delivers our food. But if you return back to the science and the art of eating that way, which is predominantly plant-based, you will be able to successfully reverse your chronic degenerative diseases and will finally see a return to health on our planet. So please listen to that podcast where we dive deep into those messages and write to us and let us know what you think. And as always, you know I'm gonna ask you to do this after you listen to our show please share it with somebody out there who may not know about what podcasting is, who may not know that they actually have a link on their smartphone or on their iPhone or that they can access podcasts through their computer. So please share that information with them so that when they're driving to work or going out for a walk or at home taking care of their babies and their babies are sleeping, that they can actually educate themselves about their health and how to ultimately reclaim their energy, reclaim their vitality so that they can live to be that optimal human being that they were designed to be. So share this podcast with someone that you know needs it because ultimately when you do that, you can save a person's life. So thanks for being with us. We'll see you at the end of the show. Bye-bye. Dr. Aaron Spitz, welcome to our Eat Real to Heal podcast. It is such a pleasure to have you on the show. Oh, it's my pleasure to be here. Thank you. 
So you are a pretty famous guy right now because of the fact that you showcased a very interesting experiment in the Game Changers movie, the documentary. And so yes. first, before we get into that, I just want to know, how did you get involved with James Cameron and the crew at Game Changers? So uh, I became involved in the uh, film because I was approached by James Wilkes, who's the central character of the film. He is the uh, mixed martial arts champion from England who uh, goes plant-based as a result of his injury. and when he was first coming up with his concept to make a documentary about this, when he was in fact, you know, going plant-based, he was looking for medical experts to give him feedback and guidance. And he approached his own doctor, who's a sports medicine doctor and a, a very accomplished athlete in his own right. And his own doctor said, I'm not about plant-based medicine, but my buddy, Dr. Spitz, a urologist is, and you could talk to him. And that's how we got acquainted. And it was many years ago when things were just first starting to, to form in his mind. He had a handy cam and an idea. And uh, he said, look, I'm going to circle back to you when I've got you know, more going on. But thanks for being there for me. And really, <laughs> several years later, he calls me back up and says, yeah, you remember that documentary? Well, um, I'm making it and I've got James Cameron as executive producer. I got Arnold Schwarzenegger. I was like, what? <laughs> that <laughs> is amazing. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. So, you know, he really struck a chord with um, very impactful people who saw this as a really great opportunity to get information out there that would resonate with an audience that typically food documentaries aren't resonating with, which is uh, young people. Um, I think, you know, so many, so many documentaries about health and eating and, and um, you know, aging, what have you, really resonate a lot more with people who are in an older age category and starting to contend with their own mortality. And young people feel indestructible and they really um, don't focus as much on that kind of thing you know, as uh, as somebody in the latter half of their lives, but here was a a vehicle that really was exciting to young people and people of all ages, and was really unique in that way because he himself was an elite athlete. He himself participated in a sport that was viewed by many young people, and in particular, uh, not to be sexist, but young guys. Young guys are a totally. hard group to reach. And, uh, and that's what this film was so successful at doing. And my role in it um, dovetailed nicely because as a urologist, one of my uh, issues that I deal with uh, very frequently is, is sexual function, male sexual function, erectile dysfunction. Yeah. And, you know, young, healthy guys may not be all that worried about what's going to give them a heart attack one day, but if there's something that are... It's going to affect uh, their penis now. Uh, yes, uh, they're interested, uh, and so Definitely. that's that's another reason that um, my input was uh, ultimately pretty relevant for for the uh, information in the film. 
Yeah, I would have to say that out of all the speakers and experts that were involved in that film, you might be one of the most famous and popular from that show. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. Like the athletes performing, amazing, right? That's really inspiring. But not everybody's an athlete. Nobody, not everybody's a weightlifter or, you know, runs thousands of miles on the Appalachian Trail. But, you know, for you and and you touched on it, and for sure, James was he was um, intentional in choosing his audience, right? Athletes and yes. talking about penises because what, so what are the statistics around men with erectile penal, penal dysfunction right now in North America or the U S right. So we have a lot of information from a study that was done uh, several years ago that looked at large populations of people. And from that, the, the typical statistics we talk about are that erectile dysfunction, difficulty having an erection, starts to crop up in your 40s, 50s, and beyond. And by age 40, about 40% of men have some degree of erection problems, usually on the mild side. By age 70, 70% of men do, and it's usually uh, more severe. And it kind of moves up in lockstep as we get older. And a newer phenomenon is erectile dysfunction affecting younger guys, uh, mm. high school and college age guys. But that is a different kind of a phenomenon. The erectile dysfunction in the middle and older age guys is more of a physical consequence of aging a physical consequence of the deterioration of the circulatory system of the blood vessels that is a consequence of aging, but also is a consequence of other factors we can control, including diet. And that's one of the, the big uh, pieces of information we were looking at in the film. But in the younger age population, um, those changes are already starting at, say, age 18 or so. But... There is so much reserve. Uh, the, the blood vessels are so wide open that as they gradually are closing off or, or, or becoming, um, you know, uh, uh, rigid or, or, or fibrotic, um, there's still many years to go before you really notice it. What's happening in the younger group is more an impact of pornography. So um, there are behavioral uh, and also neurobiological effects that young people today are experiencing because of this incredible uh, exposure and access to streaming internet porn, which adds a another kind of patient population, unfortunately, uh, that we're seeing in our practices with erectile dysfunction. And that must be exacerbated as well by the fact that these young kids have been born into a world of processed food, not eating vegetables and fruits. I mean, I had a guy just tell me the other day he's never had a vegetable in his life, which I find hard to believe. But, you know, he's from Ireland. He'd never eaten a salad, a salad before ever. And wow. his vegetables, the only vegetables he ate were basically potatoes. Um, and then, you know, and some of the things he was calling vegetables were not even vegetables. But I mean, now he eats a full plant-based whole food diet. And, you know, he ended up, um, anyway, long story around that, that I'm definitely going to share on another podcast because we're going to have him on our show because he's an incredible human for the changes that he's made. But 
what, you know, when we see that, like this poor diet and then coupled with the pornography, right? Like it is just like where pornography has gone from like the seventies to now it is night and day difference. I mean, it's, oh, oh yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's like logarithmic. It's not incremental. No. <laughs> it's, it's factors of 10. It is, um, so ubiquitous. And, uh, another factor, um, of the impact of pornography on the male sexual response and female sexual response is also the age at which a person is exposed to these kinds of images. And that age has decreased dramatically uh, down to probably 12 or even younger uh, okay. that, that um, you know, human beings are now being exposed to very hardcore and ubiquitous yeah. pornography and it has an impact on how we function because sex is a very complex process it is a physical process uh it but it involves the brain uh and the penis and hormones uh and uh sensations physical sensations but also psychological sensations and there are brain centers that physically change in response to viewing these images that physically shrink on MRI studies. So it's, yes, it is in your brain, but it's physically in your brain. It's pretty, it's pretty remarkable. Yeah. And, you know, that is the one thing, you know, we've always tried to restrict our kids access to the internet and, you know, we'll definitely always choose the movies when we have family movie nights, what they watch. But I mean, one day my husband and I were gardening and my daughter just happened to have probably looked on over our shoulder at the computer, got on the pass, you know, clicked in. She was watching a, a horse movie, but she decided to go. I didn't even know she, she eight years old that she oh, yeah. was able to type in horse on the internet. And she came running out and she closed, she had closed the computer, but she said, and we have parental controls that are so tight on our computer. And, you know, a screen popped up, just a pop-up that said, and it was my computer. And um, I wish I had enough time to maybe engage in sexual thoughts, but I'm so busy running my businesses that I can tell you right now that I don't have porn on my computer. So, no. but, so these are the things that I know, and my husband will attest to that too. Um, and so that but she came running out and she's like i just saw a woman doing a bad thing on the and she described what she saw and i was mortified my heart broke yeah. because she's yeah. eight years old and how the hell did this pop-up get up on my computer yeah. from her going on youtube and wanting to see you know a, a very you know kind loving show about horses right and so yeah. for parents who think that you literally um know what your kids are doing you don't they can oh, no, access so don't. much stuff it's yeah it's and, and you know this isn't just about protecting uh 12 year olds or eight year olds it's about protecting 25 35 45 year olds and you know once you're an adult you have uh you know free free reign to do as you please and you may not realize that what you're doing is actually hurting you in a physical way in a measurable way and most people don't realize that's the effect of high frequency pornographic viewing. And these, these changes that I say, these changes in the brain centers, these are brain centers that are important for um, feeling pleasure, uh, intimacy, uh, even for triggering an erection actually, uh, are ones that get blunted or shrink in the context of very frequent viewing. What is that? Well, that's probably viewing it daily or almost daily, but guess what? A ton of people do that. Yeah. One in four, one in four downloads is pornography. Imagine that. 
it's crazy. incredible. It's yeah. billions of downloads a year. Yeah, it is so much. And I think it's important, like we need another documentary. And I have, a, I heard that there was one being made or just recently was made about pornography and the effect mm -hmm. on um, men's health and women's health. But I think that that if somebody out there is listening and hasn't made it yet, please go out there and make this documentary. Because, yeah. you know, once we have this information to understand how powerful this, it's a drug, right? Pornography is a drug. Well, it, what it does is stimulate the same addiction centers of the brain that drugs do, yeah. which is different than the centers of the brain that other human needs stimulate. So, I mean, sex is a natural human requirement. If we don't have sex, we don't reproduce, right? Our, mm -hmm. our species ends. So it's as much a, a, a human need as food and shelter uh, and, and, and water. But the centers of our brain that are satisfied and that drive us to get food and water are different than the centers of our brain that drive us to get more cocaine or heroin but that's the same center of our brain that pornography stimulates so even though sex is a normal human function pornography is stimulating a different center of our brain than the sustainable uh, driving centers of our brain Right. And from what I understand from those chemical pathways as well is that, you know, just like doing drugs, you know, maybe you can tolerate a little bit of cocaine or a little bit of heroin, but then eventually your brain is like, give me more. It's the same thing with painkillers too. Eventually the painkillers stop working because we basically be, that it becomes um, desensitized. desensitized. Exactly. Yes. And so then we and need that's more what we and more. See. That's what we see with pornography. The centers of the brain that do provide that stimulation uh, get blunted require even more and more input. That's why people go to harder and harder core topics. Often uh, these people who are so affected will turn to topics that disgust them, but they just need that extra sensory input to make something happen. Uh, and, they're, and they're hating it all the while. It's very, it, it seems very bizarre, but it makes sense when you're looking at the, that desensitization, the need to have more and more just as, as people move up uh, into heavier and heavier drugs, they're not really wanting to. They have to to feel a little thrill or even normal. Exactly. And so that's that's that same kind of uh, terrible phenomenon. And is there that downside of, uh, I mean, it's all a downside when we're talking about this, but the, where there's a depression that happens afterwards um, and then they go seeking for it again the next day, similar to um, drugs, like when people are- well, fortunately- yeah. Fortunately, pornography addiction, which is a controversial term, be, mm -hmm. because fortunately, there is not the same physiologic withdrawal that you see with alcohol or drugs. So fortunately, it is not dangerous or physiologically harmful to withdraw pornography to go cold turkey, uh, unlike alcohol, in which it can be lethal, mm -hmm. and unlike heroin, in which it can be sometimes lethal and, and extremely physically uh, um, terrible. Um, you can stop porn and not have a physical, uh, uh, physical danger, which is great because mm -hmm. going cold turkey with porn does result in an eventual return to normalcy. It can take a few months, but it, but it, but it happens, and it's reported in the literature of cases in which this, in fact, does get turned around. Okay, that is amazing. That is amazing. So that's good to know. And for guys that are out there listening, or women, and your husbands, or your partners, or your spouses, or you know, um, anybody really out out there. I just said wives, but it really could be anybody. Um, that 
you know, there's no shame in this because at the end of the day, I mean, I have seen it through exes, through my friends' exes, through my friends' partners, you know, women share stories. Men don't seem to share the stories as often, but I mean, we hear the anecdotal stories about um, penile erectile dysfunction and you know what? We just want it fixed. Like we just want you to be healthy and, and vibrant and enjoying life and sexual and active. Yes, we want it for ourselves, but we want it for your mental health as well. So, so what would you say, Dr. Smith, that what do men need to do to be able to turn this around for themselves? Like what are the steps if they are suffering from penile erectile dysfunction um, that what are the things that they need to do first and foremost? Well, First of all, it's important to recognize that the majority, the vast majority of men who have erectile dysfunction are going to be in an age range where it is much more a physical than a psychological situation. And for many of these men, it may be the first sign of total cardiovascular uh, disease. Um, when a person, when a guy has cardiovascular disease, their blood vessels are getting narrow, they're getting stiff. Often the first sign of that is a weak erection. And that's because the blood vessels to the penis are a lot narrower, a lot smaller than the blood vessels to the heart or the brain. So the warning signs of chest pain or even a heart attack or a stroke happen years later, many years after the onset of a weak erection. And so if you're a guy with a weak erection, particularly if you're not you know, a young guy, particularly if you're you know, middle age or older, pay attention to that. Say you're 40, 50, what have you, 70, pay attention to that weak erection as possibly being an indicator of perhaps a diseased heart, perhaps diseased carotid arteries, and if you aren't already under the routine care of a doctor, that's your, that's your signal to get in and get evaluated, not just for your penis, but for your whole body. Um, so that's one thing that's very important is that paying attention to your erectile dysfunction and not hiding it could save your life. It really could be your first and only warning sign. Uh, and, and that has been shown to be the case in, in scientific studies for some men. Um, secondly, it can be reversed. Let's say you do have uh, cardiovascular disease, narrowing of the arteries and a weak blood flow to your penis, that can be turned around. And when you turn things around to improve your erections, you're also going to improve your total health and you're gonna improve your heart health and you're gonna improve your brain health. And the same things that turn uh, sexual function back on, uh, which are foods, and exercise regimens and, and change in habits and um, uh, avoidance of, of toxins are the same thing that help all the blood vessels and all the nerves in your body. Now, if you are having erectile dysfunction because of behavioral or psychological reasons, we talked about frequent pornography viewing, but you know that's, that's one end of the spectrum of the population. Um, very commonly, younger people younger guys will experience erectile dysfunction uh, here and there, you know, um, just occasionally, but it can be very, uh, very distressing. And in those cases, it's a classic uh, condition that we call performance anxiety. 
And what performance anxiety is in its simplest form and its most common form is a effect of adrenaline on the erection. Mm -hmm. So when a guy is anxious about something, it could be he's anxious because there's a grizzly bear bearing down on him, or he's anxious because he's about to have sexual relations with somebody uh, that he's anxious about. That anxiety can cause the release of adrenaline. And adrenaline is this incredibly powerful uh, uh, hormone in our body that causes the blood to rush to our lungs and into our heart, into our brain or liver. And it gets us maximally ready to handle anything that's about to about to crash in on us, makes us hyper alert. And it draws all that blood into our core structures from our less important structures, like our fingertips and our toes and our penis. So when there's a release of adrenaline, the blood is shunted away from your penis and it causes you to lose your erection or make it hard to get it in the first place. Now, you might have a adrenaline uh, crushing experience that, that ruins your erection on a particular night for some reason or another. Maybe you were down and out, uh, under the weather, sick, too tired, whatever it was. But what can happen is that can then become the seed uh, where the next time you go to have sex, you have the thought in your mind, I wonder if I'm going to have trouble like I did that last time. And that simple thought causes you to release adrenaline enough to short circuit your erection and now you've created this vicious circle. And then the third time you go to have sex and the fourth time, it's just this longer and longer chain of reinforcing bad outcomes that trigger your adrenaline release all over again. And I think for many men, when they hear this kind of information, they'll, they'll not go, ah, that's exactly what happens. Yeah. And just that acknowledgement that this is a physical effect from adrenaline triggered by a thought allows them to sort of take it down a notch and not be so anxious since they are now understanding what it is. Now, that may not simply be all they require to break the loop because it's very hard to tell yourself, don't think something, yeah. but it does help a lot of guys. Um, and then another thing that people with erectile dysfunction should, should know is that once they're certain that they don't have an underlying health problem, and they've gotten appropriate uh, medical evaluation. Uh, by and large, for the vast majority of people, the pills such as Viagra, Cialis, and the generic versions of these, and there's other brands that feature standard, these pills are safe. They are safe for the vast majority of people. Now, they are by prescription, and it's yeah. wise that, that you receive them from a doctor who has checked you and make sure that you're not one of the very small percentage of people that could be harmed by these medications. But for the vast majority of people, they are safe. And one of the, one of the problems that many men encounter who have erectile dysfunction from a physical cause or from a psychological cause, and either of these causes can be treated very well with these pills, one of the biggest problems these men encounter is their partners not allowing them to use the medications or to seek evaluation to use those medications because their partners are mistakenly thinking that these medications are dangerous to them and they don't want to put their partner into some sort of health risk just for sex. And the good news is that for the vast majority of people, 
if their partner needs the pill and that pill helps them regain their sexual function, it is not putting them at risk. Um, and so I have many male patients who come in after only years, years of suffering with erectile dysfunction because their partners have forbade them from receiving this kind of, uh, this kind of medication. Uh, so I have a question about that. So was Viagra, it wasn't originally intended for, or maybe not the Viagra name, but the drug itself wasn't originally intended for erectile dysfunction. Is it, was that not an outcome that came from another drug or am I mistaken? No, you're correct. Um, Viagra improves blood flow in blood vessels and it was originally developed as a heart medication right. to try to help the blood flow to the heart. And the results were mediocre at best. And so they decided to stop the study. And when they did, there was pushback from the uh, patients who were enrolled because, hey, guess what? It has this really cool side effect. Please don't take it away. <laughs> and right. so then when they started, when the investigators became aware of this cool side effect, uh, they shifted gears and started to study it more for its effects on erections. Uh, basically what Viagra does uh, is that it allows nitric oxide, which is this really important molecule for increasing blood flow, to linger longer in the blood vessel. So we'll talk a little bit about this. I'm sure that nitric oxide is um, a, a important component for blood flow that we can derive from our diet. And from eating a plant-based diet, we have uh, a greater um, amount of nitric oxide that we can get into our blood vessels than from eating uh, an animal-based diet. And medications like Viagra allow the nitric oxide that our body does release into its blood vessels to last longer before the body breaks it down. That's how those pills all work. They allow the nitric oxide that our body is releasing naturally to last longer before it's naturally broken down. Amazing. Okay, so the, now that's a great segue into talking about how diet can do the same thing and what that diet looks like. Because for myself, I have you know thousands of clients that come and the first thing, every single one of them, they all have one to four to five chronic degenerative diseases before they come see me, they're diagnosed, and they sit down and they say, but I don't get it. I'm healthy and I eat really healthy, everyone says. And then, of course, we get into their diet. And I mean, we all have a very different definition of what healthy eating is. So um, so then we get into it. But before we go into that, I just want to share one story with you because I just think it's so great for people to hear and it's completely related to this. Um, I first started learning about this 22 years ago from um, my friend's dad who was diagnosed with cancer. He was given about three months to live. He switched to a fully plant-based, whole food, unrefined food, organic, clean, nutrient-dense diet. So eating you know, almost 6,600 6, calories a day of nutrients, and some of it had to be juiced because you can't wow. consume that much fiber. Um, anyway, he reversed his cancer, and he lived another 22 years. But what I have to say that's so funny, so he was diagnosed at 72. And he switched his diet at 72. So if you're out there thinking an old dog can't learn new tricks, I'm here to tell you they can. So, but I loved it because what Bill would do, he'd call me up all the time after he started this therapy. And, you know, we were thinking he's dying of cancer. And he'd be like, Nikki, I have to tell you something. This therapy has given me the biggest 
erections <laughs> ever. At 72, I'm having the best sex of my life. When he was 90, he was calling me up and saying the same thing. Like, I was like, Bill, don't you want to talk about how this therapy saved your life? Like, and he wanted to talk about his penis. Like I just, but I loved it because, um, anyway, it was just such a great outcome, a great story. So I'll always forever remember him as the 94 year old that died having the best sex of his life, literally. Um, but there's a new definition to die hard, huh? No kidding. No, yeah. that is funny. That is funny. So can you explain to our listeners, what does that healthy diet look like? So for you who can't see me because you're listening to this podcast, not watching the video, I'm air quoting here right now when I say healthy right. diet. And if you can explain what that healthy diet looks like, so we can all get clear on what that looks like. And then if we, if you can also explain what are the mechanisms of action that are happening as a result of eating this plant-based way and plant-based lifestyle. Sure. Um, the way I approach defining a healthy diet and the way I approach explaining why a healthy diet uh, has effects on our body um, is I try to keep it as simple as possible and I try not to stray into explanations that are really more theories mm -hmm. or, or logical deductions than actually true proven uh, facts. And so my answer is going to be rather simple and short. That's um, perfect. I'm sure that's what people want. So a healthy diet um, appears to be a diet that is entirely or, or very much predominantly uh, plant-based. And plants that are in their whole states, whether they're raw or whether they're cooked, but not, not uh, plants that are in an extracted or processed state. Um, when possible. So an extracted, processed state of a plant is granulated sugar, um, vegetable oil, uh, flour, uh, bleached flour. These are extracted, processed states of plants that when combined make donuts. And donuts are not all that good for your health. <laughs> Not uh, even the vegan ones, not even correct. the vegan ones. That's right. Um, and so a whole food, plant-based diet, minimizing or eliminating animal products, minimizing or eliminating refined sugar. And um, that is my definition of a healthy diet. I think that when you look at the plants, I try to keep it simple as well. I think that you should look at the produce section as a giant medicine cabinet filled with stuff that's good for you. Um, but different plants, different vegetables and fruits and legumes uh, have different molecules that are good for you. And we know what some of them are, but we don't know what thousands of them are. So do yourself a favor and eat a whole bunch of different ones as much as you can. And that's how... I approach it, my patients will say to me, well, is broccoli good for you? And I'll say, yeah. And they'll say, well, what about broccoli is good for you? And I'll say, well, it's because it's got a lot of broccoli in it. And that's really, that's really the level, I think, of sophistication I, I arrive at. That's not to say that there haven't been um, good, reliable scientific findings about specific uh, fruits and vegetables and, and plants, but it, can get a bit overwhelming. And as a urologist, I'm dealing with urology issues. I am not actually a nutritional scientist 
but I know a lot about it. And so I keep it at that level. Now, why it works? Why does it work? Well, I can't tell you exactly why it works, but I can give you some uh, probably reasonable uh, potential reasons why it works. Uh, nitric oxide, I think, is a key reason why plant-based diets are good for your erections and good for your cardiovascular health because we do know that nitric oxide increases blood flow to the penis and increases the, the health of blood vessels themselves. And we do know that plant-based foods are a higher source of nitric oxide to your body than animal-based foods, particularly green leafy vegetables, beets. These are well-known uh, super foods when it comes to nitric oxide. So that's one explanation. It's just that plant-based foods have more of this, uh, 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 more of the molecules that will then get broken down and result in nitric oxide in your body. Just so you know, nitric oxide is not something that's in the vegetable. It's in the form of nitrate, and it ultimately gets turned into nitric oxide, which is just a gas that, that is just lasts for moments in the body. So that's one cause. Another thing that we have let me just jump in there. Oh, yeah. Let me just jump in there. I just want to say for women who are listening to this, and you might be getting tired of talking about penises, let's just clarify that the same science about plant-based food applies to your clitoris, it applies to your vulva, it applies to your entire you know, vaginal area as well. It needs blood flow as well. And so I think that's one part that if you are thinking this only applies to men, it doesn't, it applies to your female reproductive system and sexual organs as well, right? Yes, so the, okay. so the penis and the clitoris are actually almost the same exact structure, just in different proportions. Um, the, the clitoris has a shaft like the penis does, but it's split and, and each half of the shaft is anchored to the, the pubic bone. The penis has a shaft that's not split until way back. And then way back, it splits apart, just like the clitoris shaft does and it's anchored to pubic bones. Of course, one is larger than the other because of the influence of testosterone when the embryo is forming and when the, when the prepubescent boy goes through adolescence, but they are the same kinds of structures and what they are, are a bunch of blood vessels surrounded by special uh, sheaths that give them their particular characteristics. And so what it comes down to is what's healthy for blood vessels in a man or woman's body is healthy for the blood vessels in their clitoris uh, and in their penis. And the walls of the vagina um, are lubricated by increase in blood flow through the, the tissues of the walls of the vagina and the wetness of the vagina is simply serum from the blood that's coming through those walls. So a healthy lubricated vagina is a result of healthy circulation, which is in part at least due to nitric oxide. And the more foods that we eat that replenish our nitric oxide, the better. When we're younger, we make our own nitric oxide. We, we can make it from other sources than foods with nitric oxide, but as we get older, once we get past 30, say, our own production of nitric oxide starts to drop off and we need more and more supplementation, which we turn to from food as our best sources. Okay, that's amazing. Thank you for clarifying that. Um, 
And so, and I am going to ask you a question about supplementation because you did mention that word, but not right now. So jump into the, so I'd ask, you said there's a second possible explanation. Yes. Um, so animal-based products uh, appear to be related to blood vessel uh, disease or deterioration. There are experiments where people are fed animal products, cooked animal products, fats, proteins, combination, and a measurement is done on the blood flow in the artery of their arm, which is a consequence of nitric oxide release. And it has been shown to uh, dampen, to, to, to become more sluggish. And that effect lasts for several hours after a single meal of, of this kind of food. Uh, and when you do that same experiment with uh, plant-based foods, uh, the blood flow is brisker. And so not only does uh, eating vegetables, uh, plants, fruits help by increasing nitric oxide, it appears that eating animal-based products may also have an actual negative impact on blood flow. Right. And so it's, one is good, uh, one is helpful, the other one uh, seems to be uh, actually you know, harmful. And so these are two reasons why um, there is an improvement in erections and in cardiovascular health with a plant-based diet versus an animal-heavy diet. There are also other nutrients in plants, uh, phytonutrients, that have antioxidant effects. That is, they a, a scavenge up molecules that are attacking and deteriorating the cells in our body. Uh, and um, they may even have, indeed, anti-aging effects. And there are molecules in animal-based foods that are oxidative, that are the kinds of molecules that attack and ravage the cells in our body. Right. That is a very great explanation, really easy for people to understand. And you can dive more into the science behind that by watching Game Changers, because they do a really good job, I thought, of um, pulling from the science and the literature that's out there on, you know, why too much protein is also not good for you and why um, you don't actually eat protein, you eat amino acids, another misnomer out there in the nutrition world when we're talking about food. And, you know, so watch the Game Changers movie because the, the science is great. Um, and it's, you can reference the studies as well. So if you are a doctor or have a science background, you can access those studies and actually see for yourself and you can make your own opinions based on reading through the entire studies. So I recently just took the, uh, uh, uh Dr. T calling Campbell's, uh, plant-based nutrition certification program at, uh, E Cornell university. So it was an online program. It was fantastic. And I'm definitely right. putting a plug in for them right now. Cause it was really well done. Yeah. Um, I wasn't sure how much I was going to learn being, I mean, I'm doing my PhD right now. I talk about this all the time in the podcast because it's really important people to know that, you know, we're working with my study. What we're looking at is, uh, working with indigenous communities to go back to pre-colonial diet, which is predominantly plant-based whole foods as medicine to reverse type 2 diabetes. Mm -hmm. All the same principles that um, come into play with using plant-based food to reverse diabetes are exactly the same principles as you know reversing penile erectile dysfunction with oh, yeah. a plant-based diet as well. Same thing ap applies sure. to your body. That's correct. So you went to Cornell University. What year was that? The, what years were that? 
So I went to Cornell undergrad where Dr. Campbell uh, was a professor, but I never took any classes with him. Okay. And I was uh, on the undergraduate campus from 1984 to 1988. And then I went to the medical school in New York City yeah. from 1988 to 1992. So when did you study? How did you get into nutrition? And, and you're plant-based yourself? I am. Okay, and so tell us that story because this is so important because people out there, you have to understand doctors do not, get, they don't get exposed to this research while yeah. they're in medical school. Very rarely do they. And if they do, it's forgotten very quickly. So tell us about your experience. Well, ironically, it was because of T. Colin Campbell, but not because I encountered him at Cornell. It was years later. It was about 10 years ago. I'm 52 now, so I was 42. And a patient came in all excited about this book called The China Study by T. Colin Campbell. And he said, you gotta read this book, it's amazing. And, and you know, I have patients all the time that tell me about amazing supplements and amazing things, and it's usually about their penis, you know, make the penis bigger, or make it harder, or whatever. And I'm like, you know, doc, you gotta read sort some, you know, some very, you know, bizarre uh, cancer therapy, uh, and, and, you know, they always want me to read it. And, and so I'm like, yeah, okay. And I never do. Yeah. Uh, so he came in all excited. You got to read this book. I'm like, okay, sure, sure. And then uh, he went on his way. And uh, then uh, a week or two later, one of my neighbors said, oh, my God, you got to read this book, The China Study. It's incredible. And I was thinking, hmm, all right, two people in two weeks. I'll check it out. So I ordered the book. And I never read it. I, you know, of course, like, <laughs> like a lot of people do. Yeah, yeah. I have many books that, that I buy and never get to read. So there it was. And a year went by and that same patient came back in and uh, I was doing this checkup and, you know, I was checking his prostate, checking his PSA, which is a marker for prostate cancer. And his PSA had dropped by 50%. It wasn't abnormal to begin with, but it was, it was such a decline that I thought that he had started on Propecia, uh, which people take to um, stop male pattern balding, but which also will shrink your prostate. And drop your PSA level because not much else does that. And I asked him and he said, no, he goes, it's, it's the China study. It's that diet. Did you read the book? And I said, honestly, I didn't get it. I, I got it, but I never read it. <laughs> and he said, I have it. I have it on CD in my car. I'm going to go get it. Food. And literally after I did his prostate exam, he wiped up, zipped up, went down to the car and came back up with a, a packet of CDs. And this is back, you know, before, uh, before you could, uh, you know, download all this stuff. Wow. And it just so happened that weekend, I was going on a long family trip for a Boy Scout camp out that was four hours each way by car, and these CDs were eight hours. And so I popped them in, and my whole family was in the car, and we listened to them all the way there wow. and all the way back, and the information I heard blew my mind. Yeah. And it, 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 really, it really was so surprising that you know I was skeptical, but the fact that the author of this book was a professor from my alma mater in the nutrition department. And I knew we had one of the world's best nutrition departments at Cornell being uh, the world's leading agricultural school at the time. Uh, gave me some buy-in that, hey, okay, you know, maybe this, this is real. It's hard to imagine this is real, but maybe it is real. And being a voluntary uh, clinical faculty at that time, I had access to all online full-text medical journals so I fact-checked him. I looked up his own articles that he uh, drew upon for what he was saying in the book, and I looked up other key references that he cited, and then I discovered other references you know, that weren't necessarily in this book, but that were in the literature long since I graduated medical school, 
a time when there wasn't a whole lot of literature about plant-based food. And now there, all of a sudden there was 10 years ago, a whole lot more. Yeah. And I was just, I was amazed at what I was learning. And, and this was all peer-reviewed scientific literature. And so then I had real buy-in. And it just so happened that there's a very small part of the China study book that talks about prostate disease. It's not, this book is not about prostate cancer. Yeah. But what it says is that in these populations on the planet where they consume very little animal products, there's a very low incidence of prostate cancer or prostate problems for that matter. Yeah. And at this time, I had a patient that was really troubling me. He was a good friend. He was an anesthesiologist that I worked with. And uh, he was in his mid-40s, and he had a very strong family history of prostate cancer, father, brother. And his PSA was abnormally high, and it kept getting higher every year. And he had gone through no less than six biopsies by his mid-40s. I mean, it was, it was really frustrating. And I'd send him up to UC San Francisco where they did this extended you know, protocol. And this is back before the time of MRI evaluation. But at any rate, I mean, what do you do? And every time the biopsy would come back, slightly suspicious, but not cancer. You know, atypical cells when I cancer. And it's just like, you know, I, what do I do? And he was the first person that came to mind when I read about the prostate stuff. And I, I came back from my trip and I said, hey, Steve, I want to I tell you about this plant-based, you know, information that I just read. It's, it's unbelievable. It's kind of crazy. But what do you say? Let's try something. Let's you and me both. We're going to go vegan. And we're going to see what happens to your PSA in six months. My PSA was totally normal. Yeah. Uh, but I was like excited about the proactive, you know, health benefits of maybe adopting right. this way of eating. So we did it together. It was like, you know, a blood pack, right? And so he said, yes. he said oh, yeah. yes. he said yes. Oh, yeah. He said yeah. Well, because he was desperate for anything. Right. Anything. Yeah. Because if you imagine what his life's like, he's getting a biopsy, you know, every year or so and yeah. doesn't know if he's got cancer and, you know, what do you do? So we did this and, and we kept each other on it. And six months later, we checked his PSA and it had dropped by 50% into the normal range, and it has been in the normal range ever since. Yeah. And this is 10 years later. And he has become you know, this incredible advocate for plant-based diet. Uh, and, um, and, but from that, I was very lucky because not all patients will do that. Not all people respond yeah. perfectly to any intervention, including plant-based intervention. That's just how complex you know, biology is. But I was fortunate that my first patient uh, that I tried plant-based diet on demonstrated a really good result. And over the years, I've had many patients whose PSA levels have declined. I've even had a patient who had obvious metastatic disease that you could see on a CAT scan and lymph nodes shrink. But then I've also had patients whose prostate cancer just continues to march along because that's, you know, that's how biology is. But I always tell my patients, if you go plant-based, it may help your cancer, your erections, diabetes, whatever it is. Yeah. But even if it doesn't, I promise it won't hurt you. Yeah. And that's the beauty of this sort of very simple, straightforward approach of plant-based eating is it will likely help you and it definitely will not hurt you. So far, none of the scientific studies have come out recalling vegetables. They've recalled margarine. They've recalled low fat. Yeah. They've recalled milk. They've recalled sugar. Yeah. But they haven't recalled fruits and vegetables, and I doubt they ever will. 
No, exactly. And that's an important part that people need to remember. You know, if you watch Game Changers and you look at the experiment where that Dr. Aaron Spitz showcases, you know, you're going to see that there's three athletes in that particular experiment. And the, and that's a feedback that I was getting from people writing about. It was their only, really the only thing that they probably had negative to say about Game Changers. They're like, well, that wasn't really a study. And as you and I were chatting about in the beginning, just before we started recording, you know, you clarified it wasn't a scientific study. It was an experiment. And just like switching to a plant-based diet, if you have any health concerns, whether it is breast cancer or diabetes or heart disease or penile erectile dysfunction or low sex drive, or um, I had a client and in three months she reversed her macular degeneration. So she was legally blind. She switched to our plant-based whole food, which is exactly how we define it as well. So there's no refined sugars, no refined oils, no refined um, salt of any kind. All your salt, sugars, and oils, fats come naturally from just eating the vegetables um, Mm -hmm. and your fruits. They're all contained in there. And, you know, she regained her eyesight fully, 100%. And she, so in the end, she ended up with this beautiful eye-seeing dog that she kept but didn't <laughs> need anymore. So it's one of those things that do the experiment with yourself because you can go out there and eat those vegetables, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and for your snacks. And the only downside of it might be that you're going to have to learn how to cook and that you're going to have to plan out some meals a little bit more than, you know, it's not as easy as just going through a drive-through or slapping a steak on the barbecue or, you know, whatever you've been doing up until this date. So, you know, and when we're talking about the plant-based food, remember, it is simple. You go to the produce section. What I tend to tell people is that if it has a label on it, probably not a good idea. You know, even in some people said, well, what about my potatoes? They come with a label on it. And I'm like, okay, if they come in a bag and say potatoes, that's okay. But if you can get them in the box that still have a little bit of the dirt on them, that's even Hmm. better. Like that's even better because you're going to like, you know, you're going to build up your microbiome a little bit better. So what I want to um, talk about is that experiment that you did in Game Changers and how it was designed, if you can recap it and tell me, is there any plan to do further studies, like actual clinical trials based on this? Yes. So uh, to answer your last question first, yes, there is. Uh, There is a clinical study that uh, is almost uh, completed in its design that uh, we anticipate uh, will will begin before too long, uh, perhaps by January. uh, And uh, it's going to be conducted in New York City at a major medical institution there. And it'll uh, look at a large number of uh, young males um, and it'll retest that experiment in the movie, as well as uh, a larger exposure uh, to plant-based diet as well. And so um, I'm happy that we will actually be exploring this question with more scientific vigor. But to be sure, the scene in the movie was not um, falsely conveyed to be a uh, placebo-controlled, peer-reviewed, IRB-approved, scientific uh, research uh, trial. It was simply an experiment, but the results of the experiment were profound and based on those based on those results we now are um, going to do a, a, an actual clinical study 
um, with, with full scientific rigor. But I will say this for the experiment, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't done with no thought. Okay, there, was there was well a fair, there was a, yeah, the fair amount of design into this experiment. And there have been criticisms about the experiment. Well, you didn't account for uh, this, that, and the other. You know, you didn't account for smoking, you didn't account for drinking or drug use or, um, you know, uh, genetics or, or how often they're having sex or, you know, any variety of things. And in fact, that's, that's those criticisms really, uh, um, fall to the wayside in most cases. For example, I knew that in order to see an effect from a single meal, I need to have something that could react to that, that little of a stimulation, right? I mean, it's one thing to say, can you see the effect of 100 milligrams of Viagra? Yeah, sure, that's easy to measure. But do we know that we can see the effect of vegetables versus meat in a single meal. Honestly, I didn't know if we could. I knew that there was science that showed you could see the effect of blood flow from a single meal like that on an artery in your arm. But there was no science that said you could see that effect on blood vessels in your penis. And to measure the artery in your arm, you have to put a tourniquet on the arm, hold it, really. there's no such equipment <laughs> for the penis and the penis has a mind of its own. I mean, it's, right. you know, sometimes it's flowing and sometimes it's not. Yeah. And so the idea that we could, you know, measure a single male effect, in my mind, you had to have penis tissues, uh, a system, a penis that was as healthy and therefore as reactive as possible, as sensitive as possible. An old guy with erectile dysfunction is going to have uh, stiff blood vessels in his penis, and even Viagra may not make a measurable effect on him. Yeah. So one aspect of the experiment was we deliberately selected the youngest, healthiest penises that were still legal that we could experiment on. And so these are three elite college athletes. They are literally at the top of their game in their sports. Therefore, they are not smokers. They are not drinkers. They are not abusing drugs. They are physically as fit as you can be. They're well-rested. They're well-balanced individuals. So you're starting out with that control, if you will, in place. And they were also uh, not allowed to have sexual relations during uh, this duration of you know, two nights. Um, and so a lot of the criticisms fall the wayside. Genetics, who knows? You know, you, they actually represented three different uh, ethnic backgrounds. Yeah. Um, and, and that was just by random chance. Uh, so I think that the experiment um, was a reasonable experiment, but we don't overstate, you know, what the results are saying, but we are very excited to, to do a, a larger experiment. But the signal or the results were pretty impressive nonetheless. So and so smart to couple it with the actually seeing the blood and the serum in the vials. And you can see that just after a few hours of eating a meal, you know, we're talking about from literally bite to bite of food, from meal to meal, you are affecting every part of your body. You're affecting your blood, you're affecting your organs and your tissues and your bones because those nutrients and all the ingredients or the toxins that you're taking in through your food will have an effect starting immediately in the body. And so I love that you, that, that in the documentary, it really did show what's happening in the body. A lot of people have said that that was so helpful. 
And well, well, that that actually uh, the scene with the blood was with the Miami Dolphins players. Right. Exactly. And, yeah. And not because, related because to of this. Right. Because of the sequence, many people, many reporters have described the erection scene as being done on these, you know, three yeah. players because it's very easy to kind of blend one with the other. But it was that scene with the Miami Dolphins that led to the uh, experiment. Okay. So after, after that scene with Miami Dolphins was shot, the filmmakers realized, wow, this is a really impactful way to convey information. A single meal effect that's obvious and, and visual. And so they approached me with that question. I had actually already sat for about three or four hours being interviewed on camera for the film two years prior, because oh, after wow. they interviewed me, they went off into the world. And for two years, they followed all these amazing athletes around. And two years later, they circled back around to me and said, hey, we're finally done shooting. But we just did this scene with the Miami Dolphins and it was so impactful. Um, do you think there's a way to demonstrate a single meal effect on a, a man's sexual performance? And I said, no, no way. Absolutely <laughs> really? not. Yeah. I said, there's no way because erection, erectile dysfunction that's not psychological, right? That's going to be affected by what you eat, something physical, is a disease of aging. It's, it's a gradual onset. It's that many, many years of bad food choices lead to a gradual narrowing and stiffening of the arch of penis. How, how in the world are you going to show a single meal effect? There's no way. And, and James Wilkes, who really did read you know, hundreds or a thousand hours of medical literature, said, well, well what about the, uh, the Rigiscan uh, uh, device? Can, you know, could you use that to, to see an effect? And I said, how do you even know what that is? That's, <laughs> you know, oh my God, I love but, James, yeah. my yeah. gosh. Oh yeah, and, 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 and I used that device in clinical trials. My practice was one of the uh, sites where we did the validating studies for Viagra, for Cialis, for Levitra. So I you know, know all about that stuff. And I said, look, you know, this is a device that's gonna measure pretty uh, strong effects, you know, like Viagra, like Cialis. And I don't think it's sensitive enough to pick up whatever difference might be you know, from a single meal. I, I honestly don't. And he said, well, is there something, can we use an ultrasound? I said, well, you know, you use an ultrasound to measure the blood flow of a guy getting an erection, but he's awake. And if he's anxious about the ultrasound, it's not going to happen. And to think that the signal from a single meal could, uh, you know, shine through whatever variability of his own adrenaline release. Yeah. And I said, no. And we actually abandoned the idea completely. And it wow. wasn't until the very last minute that um, that I said, yes, let's give this a try. And we even did a preliminary run on just some young guys, not like the perfect specimens, just you know, uh, guys who trained under James in, in his martial arts studios. And there were mechanical issues. Sometimes the machine didn't work right or the person freaked out and took it off. And, but ultimately we got enough data that said, hmm, it seems, seems there may be something here. But even then, um, it wasn't, it wasn't so compelling yet. Yeah. Um, but you know, we did do, uh, you know, uh, kind of like a, a proof of concept with, with, with several of these guys. I think it was like, uh, six or seven of them. Um, so then when we, when it came down to that scene in the movie, I myself did not know what the results were going to be until we did it. And, and I was still skeptical, honestly, to that day. And when I got the results, 
it blew my mind. Wow. And it blew my mind to the extent that I said, well, wait a second, I have to go on camera and say something about this. And whatever I say is going to be scrutinized. Yeah. And so I called up one of the world's foremost experts in sexual medicine. Uh, I let him review the Rigiscan data, the printouts. And he said, well, Aaron, you know, you can't say that this is a scientifically uh, validated study, but the signal here is unmistakable. Congratulations, this is amazing. And, and that person is now going to be on the uh, investigator panel of the, the actual clinical trial that, that we'll be rolling out uh, because, because clearly it was an unmistakable signal. And the wording that I chose in the movie to describe it was wording that we agreed upon would, would be um, very straightforward and, and very appropriate. And so I feel that the experiment was um, a fortunate outcome. I, I didn't expect it. It surprised me as much as anyone. Um, and it really opened my eyes. I, I was amazed that there could be such a single meal. In fact, I didn't think that actually was, was a thing. And now I see that it is. But to be clear, this experiment was not showing that we took guys who had erection problems and with a single meal cured them. What this experiment showed was that when guys ate a meat-based meal, that night they had erections and they had normal erections that night. And then when they ate a plant-based meal that night, they had even more. And more harder fat. and longer. Yeah. But they were always normal. Yeah. So people sometimes misinterpret this experiment to claim that if you've got erectile dysfunction, all you need to do is eat a plant-based meal, one, and you're good to go. Yeah. That's not the case. But what does a lifetime of animal or a lifetime of plant-based meals do to your penis? Yeah. And that's, that's the real fact is well, that there is a difference. There is a difference over a lifetime of eating that way. Exactly. And the other two things that I really loved about this experiment um, that was shown in Game Changers was number one, this happened overnight while they were sleeping. And you also showcase them sleeping. You know, it wasn't like they were up watching porn. It wasn't like they were up doing that. Like you actually showed them sleeping. And so in a lot of clinical trials and most clinical trials, you do need to test whatever it is that you're testing against a placebo. And in this case, you know, just the fact that they're sleeping sort of takes out that element of, um, you know, placebo out of the experiment as well, which I thought was really... Wow really smart to do it that way. Because like you said, if you measure during the day, there would be too many variables that you couldn't, um, you know, really explain or you couldn't use to right. explain. Well, yeah. this is, this is the whole um, sort of methodology of Rigiscan testing is that it is able to capture nocturnal erections, which occur completely independent of your conscious mind completely independent of your environment because you are unconscious when these erections are happening. And, you know, it just so happens, fortunately, which makes this methodology uh, work, that healthy males have erections every night yeah. unless they have some sort of physical problem that's preventing that. So uh, in, a, in years ago, before it was as easy to treat erectile dysfunction often as, you know, writing a script for a pill before these pills existed, um, it became um, more of an issue to truly prove that somebody's erections were not working because of a physical cause as opposed to a psychological cause. And the way you could prove that was to put this device on them. And if they had normal erections while they were asleep, but they couldn't have erections while they were awake, 
the anatomy, the physiology was working, there was a behavioral issue at play. And if they weren't having erections while they were asleep, lo and behold, they had erectile dysfunction that was physical, it was not in their head. So in order to do a, a, an experiment of, of the effects of food and the erection, we had to get the big head out of the way. And that's what the rigid scan let us do. Let us get the big head out of the way and just the effects. And then of course, these guys are their own controls. They are their own controls. This is, and in the larger experiment we're doing, there'll be a crossover design, you know, veggie one night meet the other or, or and then an even more extended exposure and then and then reverse order but even so um studies with the rigid scan device show that just a single night's reading is reliable when you do two nights in a row because you think well maybe that first night they're not quite used to it so there maybe is a a negative placebo effect of wearing it that first night no in fact the accuracy of whether or not a person has psychological or physical erection problems is as good or better with just a single night read than the second night read. So we're good, we're solid. Okay, that's amazing. The second thing that I loved about this study as well is, and just you explaining it or the experiment, which is now um, it's moved into a clinical trial, which is phenomenal. It really showcases, and your story around this really showcases how science gets done in the world. A lot of times, I mean, my brother's a biophysicist, biocancer, or biochemist, and a cancer researcher. And, you know, so at the end of the day, it really comes down to, like, we've had so many discussions about plant-based eating, and um, every once in a while, he'll be like, oh, you know, that's interesting. You just planted a seed in my head, and then all of a sudden, it'll become this large clinical trial that he's working on. And mm -hmm that's at the end of the day what people need to know because so many people come to me and say well there's no science on this number one there is science out there that has been done and published you just need to know what to search for to look for it because what you'll actually find is that there's a lot of good published information you just have to go find it but the other thing people need to know is that unless there's a will like you saying, yes, I will consider doing the study and I will put the thought behind the design. If you had said no, there might not be anybody else out there who would be interested in this. And therefore, well, no. this yeah. discovery would not have been made. This is true. I mean, I said no a few times. Right, <laughs> exactly. And and James I, sent, I sent James off to another specialist who's, who's even more uh, renowned than me in case that specialist had some other great idea. And he came back with nothing. And it was really just um, James' persistence. And the thing, too, about this study was there was no funding for it. I mean, we, it, and it's not a study, it's an experiment. Um, but, you know, nobody got paid to do this. I didn't get paid. The uh, athletes themselves didn't get paid. Um, we all were just doing this. If anything, it was a financial liability because they could shoot this whole scene and the results could have been nothing yeah. and that's very expensive to film that scene of the movie so there wasn't a you know in a financial inducement to do it it really just came down to uh, curiosity and um really volunteerism i mean the athletes were willing to participate um uh and and i was willing to volunteer my office and my time and my staff and and we got this done and now it's opened up you know, a whole new possibility for studies. But even so, in the world of science, um, funding is key. And it, had, it has actually been rather challenging. Fortunately, we do now have the funding for this larger study, but it took a while to get the funding together because it's not as if there's like, you know, the big vegetable lobby that, you yeah. know, is going <laughs> to 
okay for you to do studies, you know, on their behalf, like, like tobacco. Um, and so, uh, and it's not as if we're looking to identify a patentable ingredient, you know, for, for male sexual enhancement. We're just talking about eating, eating plants. And so the funding for that, I think, is largely going to come from places like the NIH, as opposed right. to from a particular uh, pharmaceutical company, if you will. Uh, however, you have to get their attention first. A movie like this has gotten a lot of people's attention, but it's an experiment. Mm -hmm. Fortunately, we're going to now move into a clinical study. And if those results are even a fraction of the results in the movie, it'll still be remarkable and it'll still attract a lot of attention. I mean, I thought, wow, if we could show a 30 to 50% increase in blood flow from a single meal, that would be amazing. Mm -hmm. But in fact, what we showed was, you know, multiples to that. So uh, I'm excited. I don't expect that the experiment will necessarily duplicate the results of the experiment. Um, you're going to have a larger number of people. Yeah. We're not going to have, um, you know, 60 elite athletes. We're going to, yeah. you know, but I do expect because the signal was so strong in that experiment, we're likely to see something uh, that is confirmatory. Yeah, no, exactly. And then from there, you will determine whether it can be generalized to the population, you know, greater populations. And, right. you know, then you'll have education behind that or, you know, how people can make these lifestyle changes themselves. I mean, it's amazing. Everything in our world starts from people making a simple decision. And it wasn't a simple decision, right? Like you said, it wasn't a simple right. decision to say, yes, let's yeah. do this. The um, simplest decision was no, this can't be done. Exactly. <laughs> so you made the tough decision. And that when people make tough decisions is when we see advancements in science, when we see advancements in health, when see, we see advancements in the health of our societies and so on. So I just have to applaud you for saying yes to that because it's rare that I always ask the question, I'm like, where the hell are our leaders? Like, you know, we had Gandhi over here and, you know, we had Martin Luther King over here, but like, where are the leaders in our world? And I have to say that you are one of those leaders. Well, I also want to just give credit to the Ridges Scan uh, supplier because these devices are hard to find um, because they're not in wide use. They're really in clinical trials. And the, the supplier of the Ridges scans, Tom Hopper, who is the supplier for the Western Hemisphere, okay, pretty big territory. Yeah. Um, he, he was there all the way providing these devices for free, calibrating and flying back and forth from Minnesota to California. And, and that's an example of that sort of volunteerism for the sake of scientific curiosity. And it was just... Without, without that piece, this never would have gotten done. Right. Um, so it, it, it takes, it's not just scientists. Um, it's often people who are doing practical things um, that, that have nothing to do with a science degree that are critical, that are mechanical, that are hands-on, that make an experiment work. Uh, my nurse, who, who made sure that the guys sat down and ate their meal at the right time, um, uh, James, you know, the person that prepared the food, you know, all these, these weren't scientists, but they, um, they were all key elements of something getting done and getting something done is, is, you know, at the end of the day, what it's all about. Well, it is. And it does take a whole entire team and, you know, to be able to, you know, put together, whether it's studies like this or programs like this or anything to make it happen. So, you know, definitely James, you know, kudos to him as well for making this documentary. But what I love so much about this study and why I say that you are a leader is because of the fact that you've been able to take something that 
you know, these experiments could easily have been done like looking at our vascular system, looking at our heart health, looking at diabetes, but it's not sexy, literally not sexy, right? <laughs> Usually right. it's done in the state of, you know, when people, you know, it's about, you know, getting their health back. And so, you know, people aren't sad that their dads and moms are dying of heart attacks. It's, it's not sexy. And when you take something that is sexy like this, like looking at penises and being able to explain the exact same principles that affect us with diabetes and heart disease and, you know, all these other chronic diseases, but we can explain it through the penis and game changers, then you have more people listening. And that's all we need is more people listening. And then what I see stems from a study like this is that people start making those lifestyle habits. They start switching to plant-based food. And then what happens? Oh, we start growing more vegetables. We start reclaiming the soils. And then this affects climate change. So even though it's one little tiny experiment, it can have such a huge ripple effect for literally changing the planet. And I know some people out there listening is going to like, what are you talking about, Nikki? But already my brain is being stimulated to say, um, how do we do this exact same study for women and women's reproductive health and sexual health? And what would be the equivalent to that device that you use to be able to test blood flow in the, not just the clitoris, but in the vaginal area? Because I have so many women that come to me who one client, 42 years old, never menstruated in her entire life. When we talk about that one plant-based meal effect, being able to measure something, well, it wasn't one meal, but it took two weeks. And all of a sudden she woke up menstruating for the first time of her life. Eight years later, she still menstruates every 28 days. Okay. Wow. Now I have women who have started menstruating at nine years old. And I have one particular client, she worked for, for us in our, we have, by the way, just in case you don't know Dr. Aaron Spitz, we have a collection of plant-based whole food restaurants that uses only ref, um, unrefined products. So our farmers pick the foods, bring it to our cafe that morning, we wash it, we clean it, we turn it into these amazing cooked and raw meals. We have everything like gorgeous desserts. Um, we have 10 locations coming to New York, by the way. Wow. Yes, which is very exciting. But one of our staff, she'd have to go home every every month because well actually every three weeks because her she was menstruating every three weeks and she would lose so much blood she'd be vomiting she'd be like migraines so terrible and she'd experienced this since she was nine years old and no medication helped her no doctor was able to help her well she said well what if i did the therapy and so i said well we can try i've never had a client like this but she tried and all of a sudden two months goes by and i'm like she hasn't called in sick for work she hasn't missed a day of work i'm like what's going on so i pick up phone and call her and i'm like What's going on? And she's like, well, I did what, you know, I switched to a plant-based diet. I started getting nutrients. She was living off of Tim Hortons. Do you guys have Tim Hortons in the U.S.? Yeah. Uh, no. Yes. I think in the Northeast I've seen it. Yeah. Or yeah, maybe so when listen, I was in Van in uh, Toronto or something. Yeah. yeah. The equivalent of Dunkin' Donuts, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. What. The and, sandwiches, right? It's yeah. Like oh, just... Yeah you know, truly, and I'll say this garbage food. So she was living off of this and had, you know, she was only 18, 19 years old. And um, all of a sudden she just starts putting nutrients into her body and all of a sudden her vagina heals right up and her menstrual cycle goes to a regular 28 day cycle, no pain, no excessive bleeding, all of this. So when, even though we're just talking yeah. about penises, it's like, well, how do we design a study for women. And this is a really important talk, topic as well, because I know that um, I was at a TED talk and they, the presenter there, I'll have to find the link and put it in the show notes, but the presenter there was showing the number of studies done for penile erectile dysfunction on the graph was like this. The number of studies 
done for women in breastfeeding were like this little tiny blip on the chart. Like it was terrible. And so, you know, and of course, when we do science, when we do studies, I mean, we do have predominantly more men out there who are in those positions to design the studies than we do women. So it makes sense that maybe they're going to focus on men's health because they are male. Whereas, you know, but we need to step it up. We also know men get more funding for studies, um, just like men get more funding for their businesses that women's do, even in 2019. Um, my husband could go get funding for our business faster than I could, um, mm-hmm. even though we have the same business. So we need a study that's equivalent to what you designed for um, for men and their beautiful penises. We love their penises because they make this world go round, create more <laughs> babies. Um, but we need the same studies, you know, really done for women as well. Well, I think that there is potential hope for that because the uh, investigator that will be participating in this study that we're doing uh, to follow up on the experiment in the movie is a world-renowned expert in female sexual health. And the interest that he has taken to the experiment and now the study um, could potentially percolate into a study for women. And he is such an expert in female sexual health with regards to the various modalities for measuring the different things that happen with the vagina and clitoris that if there is a, you know, a corresponding type of study to be done, uh, I would imagine uh, he would know as well as anyone. Uh, the rigid scan device is not uh, suited for studying the clitoris so have to be so tiny (laughs) yeah there's yeah so there's not a way to do it with that device um but um as i said i think uh when you look at your high very high level experts in female sexual medicine fortunately um one such expert perhaps the greatest expert uh is involved in our study That is amazing. So I might have to connect there because we need to get this going. And I mean, once I have two years to finish my PhD right now, and, um, and once I go, I have a whole list of studies that I want to, you know, get behind and get funding towards, because um, I think just at the end of the day, you know, I, I went to a beautiful workshop where the woman said, did you know that women can have nine different types of orgasms? And everybody in the room, including the men that were there were like, what like the women were like i barely even have one type like what are these other eight types so i just ever since then i go around asking people say how many types of orgasms have you had and they're like i don't know one maybe if i'm lucky so i think there's definitely yeah so we're gonna that's one of the studies that i definitely want to get behind or if anybody else wants to get behind it before me then i will support them for sure Um, i think one thing i'd like to just comment on though is that even if this experiment had never been done there is plenty of good science out there yeah. that that shows that men who eat more plant-based foods have better erections when they are having erectile dysfunction, that they have more improvement or they get erectile dysfunction less. That science is already there if you look for it. Yeah. But this kind of an experiment is, uh, is so dramatic and so surprising because of the single meal effect you know, that it's showing. But the good news is, is that we already have the proof. 
that plant-based diets are good for your circulation, are good for your health, result in lower incidences of chronic disease states, including cancers, so that even if another experiment was never done, we're good with it with the science we have, and there's no reason, there's no excuse not to, not to embrace the information that we already have and make changes now, even, exactly. even if another experiment never gets done. It's true. It's true. But having been in this field for 22 years, I can tell you most people have to hit rock bottom and be told that, you know what, you have a few months to live or we're going to have to remove some organs or you're going to have to take these awful medications for life, you know, that have all these other side effects. And so, you know, having something like this, I think just the timing of it all is perfect. The game changer is going to be easy for anybody to, um, you know, to really digest. Plus your study coming out fantastic for the medical community and anybody else who gets to access it after that. Um, One question I do have, and I know you want to chat about about it as well, and it's actually an area that I know very little about. So I am so excited to be learning this. Um, tell us about what is happening in the world of testosterone. Well, you know, testosterone is a very important hormone for men, but it is a area of therapy that can be become misguided. Um, so I see a lot of men who uh, want testosterone because they look at commercials on television that suggest to them that their testosterone might be low if they have A, B, C, or D symptoms. Mm -hmm. And to be fair, many men do have low testosterone and do benefit from testosterone replacement, but there's also many men who are put into kind of a tizzy thinking that they must have low testosterone and they don't. And some of these men will find themselves in the hands of you know, less than thorough uh, practitioners, possibly not even MDs or DOs, Mm -hmm. uh, and on testosterone, not fully aware of the implications. Now, fortunately, testosterone is very safe uh, as as medications go. There are many medications that are much more dangerous than testosterone. Mm -hmm. But for younger guys, there's a key impact of testosterone that many are not aware of, and that is that it shuts off sperm production, and it makes them infertile while they're on it. Fortunately, it is reversible for the majority, the vast majority of men, but not for all men. And many men don't realize in the age range where they're wanting to start families that this testosterone that they just started at this, you know, uh, uh, virility clinic uh, or, or anti-aging clinic, what have you, um, is undermining their ability to, to start the family. So I'm saying, even many doctors aren't aware of that. And in some cases, even doctors will prescribe testosterone to help a man's fertility, which is the exact opposite effect. Um, now, it was asked of me, what foods do you eat to raise your testosterone, um, even by the filmmakers? And there really aren't foods that raise your testosterone And to be sure, eating red meat does not raise your testosterone. Thank you for clarifying that. Yes. So eating animal products is not uh, a way to boost your testosterone. And eliminating animal products does does not lower your testosterone. And so that's that's the good news because many people fear that by going vegan, uh, they're somehow uh, feminizing their diet. And they're worried about soy estrogens. And you know what? What about these soy estrogens? And it turns out that when you study uh, vegan men, their testosterone levels are actually a little bit higher. But 
your sex hormone binding globulin is also a little bit higher, which exactly. binds up part of the testosterone. So the net effect is there's no change. Yeah. There's no deterioration. There's no drop in testosterone when you go plant-based. But there are not foods that you can eat to boost your testosterone the way there are foods you can eat to boost your nitric oxide. But what you can do is raise your testosterone by how you eat by reducing your excess fat. So if you're eating in such a way that is making you overweight or obese, that excess fat can lower your testosterone because the testosterone goes into the fat cells and it gets converted to estrogen. And so you're left with less testosterone. So if you eat in a way that keeps you lean, you can in fact have a higher testosterone level based on how you're eating, but it's not based on the particular food. And a whole food plant-based diet is a very good way to stay lean. Exactly. And what I, you brought up a really important point about the sex binding hormone globulin, because this globulin is created in the liver, is it not? Yes, it is. Okay. So when you are eating clean food that, you know, obviously if you know the farmer who's growing it, buy that food. If you don't know the farmer who's growing it, talk to the produce manager and make sure they know the farmer who's growing it and so on. Get it from the farmer's market. And so when we're eating a clean plant-based whole foods diet, you are supporting your liver and your liver is that one. I mean, our whole entire body is regenerating all the time, but your liver does this exceptionally well. And it's so important to keep your liver clean and free of those excess animal fats or animal fats, not even excess animal fats, um, and excess and, you know, animal amino acids and so on, because of the fact that you want your liver to freely be able to create the sex hormone binding globulin. And that is the number one thing that we see helping our clients is when they switch to a diet that is plant-based, that is clean, the way they're getting lots of nutrients is all of a sudden their free floating estrogen goes down. And we have many different types of estrogen. And for people who are listening, most cancers are estrogen sensitive. They love estrogen. So it helps to feed cancer growth, So, which is the easiest way to explain it. So it's really important for people to understand that when they're eating a plant-based whole food lifestyle, meals, diet, um, you're supporting your liver in the production of this globulin that will help to trap all this free-floating excess hormones that our body doesn't need. Would you say that is... Well, that's very interesting because that's that's from the perspective of estrogen, um, from the perspective of, of men with low testosterone who are always uh, concerned that their sex hormone binding globulin is not uh, in a too high of a ratio to their total testosterone. But with the whole food plant-based diet, that ratio is at a good healthy level. And if there's other benefits to be had from a sex hormone binding globulin um, with estrogen, uh, that's that's excellent that our bodies are maintaining the balance. Exactly. Estrogen is important in men. Uh, many, many men are under the misconception that the lower their estrogen is, the better, and they will take aromatase inhibitors, which are medicines that are designed to prevent testosterone to being converted into estrogen, which I said happens in fat cells. But mm -hmm. we actually need to have some estrogen for our bone density. We know exactly. testosterone is important for strong bones, but so is estrogen at the low levels that we have it in men. And hormones are very complicated and they are a balance that is not always obvious. And so I think the best we can do is to support the natural state rather than trying to impose uh, injections or, or pills, 
unless it's needed. And when it's needed, it's life-saving, absolutely life-saving. Totally. To the extent that we can support the natural state and avoid getting to the point where we need to artificially intervene, um, there are going to be ways that we uh, succeed from a health standpoint that we don't even know are happening yet, ways that we haven't even begun to, to measure. Exactly. That is amazing. We are, you know, going on an hour and a half here. I have probably an hour and a half worth of questions to still ask you. <laughs> There's so much to talk about. Um, but I do want to talk about your book. So you are, I've been every podcast leading up to this. I'm like, and we have the penis doctor coming on. I hope that's okay. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, but you are, you are an expert in men's reproductive health and their, um, their organs, their penises. Um, you reverse vasectomies. You also reverse um, vasectomies that have gone wrong as well and help to clean that up and, and make that better. Oh, you do a lot in your clinic, right? Sure. So I, I super specialize or subspecialize in male fertility and male sexual function and male hormone balance. And so, as you said, um, I'm going to be, you know, very much uh, an expert in all things penis, yeah. uh, all things testicles, uh, and that includes uh, the vas deferens. And so I also am an accomplished microsurgeon, therefore I perform vasectomy reversal surgery uh, as well as uh, a lot of vasectomies. And I also can uh, help some men who've had failed vasectomy reversal surgeries. That's, that's incredible, because I know some people who've tried to have their vasectomies reversed and they you know, they just, it didn't work for them. And so to know, just like what we always teach, you know, you might go to one doctor and if you don't get the results you're looking for, go see another doctor. So Dr. Aaron Spitz is one of those doctors that you can go to. So you wrote a book and I think it's aptly named. It's so, uh, the penis book. Yes. Yes. yes so tell us book. about this book, because I know that on the book, it says it's meant for doctors, but is it meant for the general public as well? So it's, the title is, um, unfortunately confusing. When it says a doctor's guide, it means that it's a guide written by a doctor. Okay. It it's it's my guide. And awesome. it's not meant for, it's meant for the general public. Awesome. So it's just, it's just a way of saying, this is a guide written by a doctor for you. Perfect. And it's, and it's for everybody. But it is very scientifically precise, even though it's written in a very fun and accessible way. And there's a lot of humor in it and a lot of penis puns in it. Um, every, every pun, every double entendre uh, is scientifically valid and possibly even footnoted. There's almost 500 references in it. And one of the, I think one of the great resources that this book can provide to your audience is that I have an entire chapter on diet. And it's under the uh, umbrella of you know, how to eat for penis health. But really, as we said earlier, you know, penis health is uh, whole body health. And so this diet is about plant-based eating and it gets into the science uh, at, at a deeper level. And there's many uh, references and uh, you can refer to the peer-reviewed scientific literature that backs up the statements that are made in that chapter on nutrition. Amazing. And you in that book too, without divulging too much, because I actually just want everybody to get the book and read it and, you know, to increase their scientific literacy and you help them do that by including uh, the, the studies and the references. So you have a five-step plan for penis health that anybody can follow. Is that correct? Yes. So uh, it starts with diet. 
um, and because that is foundational. And uh, yes. we call we call that step go fork yourself. Okay. Um, and then from there we move on to exercise and sexercise. And exercise is great for your circulation, but there are even specific sexercises you can do specifically for your penis. Uh, and then we get into um, porn. And I discussed earlier why porn has a negative effect on sexual health. And this is a, a, a much deeper dive into the science of that. Um, and then we look at uh, toxins, uh, alcohol, excess alcohol, cigarettes, drugs, prescription medications that perhaps we could avoid. Um, and then finally, sleep. And uh, the science of sleep and the impacts of sleep on our health is, is we're just scratching the surface uh, in the medical community, but sleep has a real profound effect on sexual health and testosterone levels, it turns out. And so uh, eating well, exercising well, uh, choosing what you put in front of your eyeballs well, uh, staying healthy and making uh, healthful lifestyle and habit choices and sleeping well are the five steps to not just maximum penis health, but maximum health. Exactly. That is brilliant. We are going to get your book. I'm sure we'll be able to track it down and be able to um, sell it. We sell a ton of books out of our oh, restaurants. Yeah, I love every, it. Thank every, you. Well, you know, it looks like a cookbook. <laughs> and, it does. It has a big yeah. eggplant on the front of it, which is right. very appropriate. I well, it's really that. funny. One of my patients uh, tried to find it in their local library and did, but it was filed in the cooking section. Oh and that's God. no joke. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's hilarious. I guarantee yeah. it's going to be our number one seller in right. our store. There is no doubt about that. Well, um, we're I also, hope so. yeah, we'll also get the link to that up on our in our show notes as well, so you can find it. But I'm sure you can remember it. It's called the penis. The book. penis book. Yeah. yeah. One so, of those books you can judge by the cover. Exactly. Yeah. That's so funny. That is so funny. Um, are you? Do, do you do any speaking? Do you want to tell our listeners about any events that you have coming up? Um, well, actually, I, I do a fair amount of speaking, but it's typically within the uh, context of uh, scientific uh, programs, uh, you know, national meetings for urology. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't have any uh, commercial venues coming up as of now, but I have been asked uh, quite frequently now to uh, participate in blogs such as yours or interviews with reporters. And I am uh, a frequent guest on a television show called The Doctors. Um, and I speak to urology topics on there frequently throughout the season. So um, if you, you know, Google me, you'll find this, that, and the other. Yeah, you are very Googleable, so that is good. So we're going to include you. all of those links as well. So for anybody Great. who um, is suffering from any infertility issues, uh, need your vasectomy reversed or a vasectomy, and you just decided you're not going to produce any more children, um, my husband had his done a few years ago. It was kind of a sad moment, but also a very yeah. good moment because it allowed me to dive deeper into the good work I'm doing in the world and focus on my business. Um, we have three beautiful girls. Um, and uh, as well in those show notes, we're going to have the penis book. And also, I'm going to put a shout out to um, the Plantation Project and also to uh, Dr. Um, uh, Neil Bernard and the PCRM because I think you need to be speaking at those two physician conferences. Because right. one thing I can tell you is that it's a conference where thousands of physicians attend these two conferences. Yes. I attended them last year. And their medical peers are standing up there on stage giving the scientific evidence that a plant-based diet 
works. And I'm sitting in the audience and the other doctors come up and ask me afterwards. And they're like, is this, is this real? Right. <laughs> and I'm right. like, yeah, yeah, it's real. And I can That's attest right. to it because this is what I practice in my, um, with my business. But it, I was really shocked by that. So again, I think for the medical doctors out there, if they hear you present, um, you know, and talk about this experiment and about the clinical trial that you're doing, you're going to have 1000 converts in that room like that. Sounds good. Sounds good. Well, I appreciate the support. That's wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. Thank so you thanks much. so much for being on our show. It is oh, truly incredible. You are a leader in the world. You are oh, changing you. and saving lives by sharing this information in this beautiful, unique, humorous, but very scientific and important way. Um, so thank you very, very, very much for your time. Thank today. you. And, and, and your work is very impressive, especially with the, uh, the indigenous population. I think it's fantastic, really. So kudos to you. And I want to uh, eat at one of your restaurants. Uh, what's the closest one to California? Uh, you'd have to come up to Canada, but you can okay. go to any one of our five locations that we have on the North Shore um, in Port Moody, Squamish. We have two in Whistler. So if you ever want to okay. come up here, we Great. do have a nutrition and detox wellness center. So we can put you up there. And it's where we have people come from all over North America to learn about plant-based eating for, to reverse their chronic diseases. So that sounds great. Yeah. That so we'd great. be happy gonna, to host I will you. probably bring my family and take you up on that. Yeah. You <laughs> have to do it. Come in the winter, go skiing, come in the summer, go swimming, or come in the fall and spring and do them both in the same day. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. Well, have yes. a great, uh, great rest of your evening. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Thanks so much. You too okay. as well. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for being with us on the show. I hope you loved it. You can pull out the earplugs from your kids' ears if you didn't want them listening to this, but I kind of, in a way, hope that you did because the more we get kids feeling comfortable talking about their penises and their vaginas and their health, then that's how the shame dissipates. We allow people to be more vulnerable to talk about their health issues. And when they talk about the health issues, that's when ultimately they will go around and find solutions because I know this has happened for my clients. When they announce to their friends and their family members that they have a chronic illness, somebody comes out of the woodwork and says, hey, you should read this book. Hey, you should watch this documentary. Or guess what? I've signed us up for a workshop to learn more about diabetes or penile erectile dysfunction or breast cancer. And then the more you learn, the more solutions and opportunities are gonna be out there for you to think about doing and then ultimately it just takes one decision you making the decision about what you need to do next for your health and when you make that decision whether it's medical treatments conventional as we know it or whether it's making the lifestyle change to stop drinking or stop smoking or to eat more plants or to switch fully to a plant-based diet well then it's that decision that's ultimately going to get you some kind of result so I hope you talk about your health issues with other people out there. Listen up when they say things to you. It doesn't mean you're going to do everything that everyone says, but pay attention to what works for you, what sounds right to you, what you know sparks that little bit of curiosity that you want to look further. Go down that route and just see where it takes you. Because in the end, if you do nothing and you just sit back and you let somebody else dictate, like your doctor or sometimes a loved one dictate what you should do, that's when we see a lot of people not do well with their health. We know from Dr. Kelly Turner's book about spontaneous remission, one of the nine factors that allow people to see remission in their disease and experience that 
is when they actually take charge and ownership of their own health, where they stop handing their health and their life over to someone else because they think that the other person is the expert over their own individual health. And guess what? There's no one who has that ultimate expertise in the world because we know that getting a second opinion often will get you other results than that first opinion will get you. And not only that, sometimes you just may not have heard of the treatment that is available to you because it's not out there through the masses. And I can tell you this from my clients, I can tell you from brilliant books like Brain on Fire, in a lot of cases, sometimes the treatment or the cure or the modality that you get to use has just come out a few weeks before you got diagnosed or you may get diagnosed. In other cases, it's been out there for so long and gets buried under the mass, vast amount of information that's on the internet, so then you can't find it. So. I can tell you this, by talking to people, you will trigger that curiosity within yourself to go looking for the answer that is going to help you. So I hope this bit of information supports you in some way on your healing journey. Know that you can always contact us at Richer Health and at nicoletteriche.com and at The Green Mustache because we are standing in your corner. We've got your back. We are gonna advocate for you if you don't have the energy or the time, or you don't feel that you have the resources to be able to do it for yourself. Give us a call. We want to support you. And remember, share this podcast. And in the meantime, eat well and do well. Bye-bye.